0: And the Lord God made for Adam and his wife garments of skin, and he clothed them. And God said, Behold, the man, he has become like us in knowing good and evil, lest he reach out his hand and take from the fruit of the tree of life and live forever. And God sent the man out of the garden to work the ground from which he came. And he took the man out of the garden, and at the east of the garden of Eden, he placed a cherubim and a sword that burned and turned every which way to guard the way to the tree of life. God, as we continue in this story of you and us, of God and humanity, Father, I pray that you would today On Resurrection Sunday, 2013, help us to be ever aware that you did this because you loved us. And God, um, humans, we are so frail, we're so weak. God, even in the beginning, in the Garden of Eden, we proved that we would give in to evil, but you provided a way. And God, all along, even from the beginning, even when it looked hopeless for humanity, you had a plan from the beginning. Very beginning, from day one, you had a plan. And Father, today as we bring to conclusion this series called Hero, God, I pray that you would guide us, be with us. Those who are Christ followers already in this room and those who may be seeking, those who may be skeptics, those who may wonder if what we teach here is really the truth. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would pierce their hearts And God, I pray for those who are in here who have never said yes to the question, do you believe? God, I pray that this would be the day that they say yes to you. Help us to understand your word. And God, may you guide us into truth and wisdom. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning and happy Easter. I hope you're doing well this morning. My name's Todd. I'm the lead pastor here at Hilton Head Island Community Church, and I'm so glad that you've gathered here today. I hope that everybody got a seat. We put a few extra out, and um, I'm glad that you're here. We are in a final episode today of a series that we've been walking through over the course of the past month called the hero. And so we're excited to bring today's message to a dramatic conclusion as we kind of unveil how God solved the problem with humanity. And if you have your Bibles with you, you can turn. We're going to be in Genesis 3 along with a few other verses, but we'll be in Genesis 3 and uh, we will quickly get to Jesus's death and his resurrection. Some of you may be wondering, how in the world is he going to do this? I mean, you know, (laughs) We're back in Genesis. Today is Easter Sunday. We're in a church. He has to talk about Jesus. How is he going to close this gap? Well, we're going to do it. We're going to do it very quickly today. But here's my prayer for you today. My prayer is this, that you won't just take the conclusion of this story and think of it as a nice story, as a narrative, as just a nice little tale. My prayer is, is that you would make it deeply personal. And if you've never said yes to Jesus, that today be the day that you say Yes to him. Let me give you just as a way of review where we have come from and you'll see where we're going. First of all, a few weeks ago in episode one, we learned that God created all of creation, everything that we see around us. Um, He created it for his glory, for his glory and for our pleasure. All the way back in Genesis 1 when God spoke and the earth was formed, he did that to bring glory to himself. If some of you, I I realize, are vacationing here and that sort of thing today, but for those of you who live here, you get a glimpse of that, don't you? You get a glimpse of the beauty of God's handiwork you do all over uh, the world in beautiful spots, and it just cries out his glory. But it's also for our pleasure. And so we learned in episode one that God's intent for humanity is that they would live in this pleasure and they would live in this perfect environment really forever. You know, in the Garden of Eden, there wouldn't have been anything in the Garden of Eden in that original creation that God had that would have caused any aging among humans. Would that be awesome or what? Well, we found out in episode two that even before creation, there was evil you see, before creation, there was this angel. In fact, he was the highest of angels in terms of the order of angels. His name was Lucifer, and he challenged God. It says in his hearts he wanted to. In his heart, he wanted to be like God, and because he wanted to be like God, God created distance between He and Lucifer. And we know Lucifer today as Satan or the devil. We referred to him uh, in episode two as evil. And now we see in Genesis 2 that evil took the form of a serpent and persuaded Eve and then persuaded Adam to do the one thing that God asked him not to do. Can you imagine living in perfection and having one rule? <laughs> Just one. I mean, kids, you go home and your parents have more than one rule, don't they? You're on vacation and there's usually more than one rule. Adam and Eve had one rule. And evil persuaded them to violate that rule, and they did. And now today, even in 2013, you and I live with the consequences and the curse of sin. In episode 3 last week, we learned that part of the curse, part of the result of sin, is that there's this massive separation between us and God. There is a separation between us and God because God is perfect and He's holy. And He can't even, the Bible says, He can't even look on sin. And so there's this gap, there's a separation between us and God. And we talked about the problem, the real dilemma in this whole story of the hero is this gap between us and God. This chasm that we try to figure out and we can't. We can't do enough good. Adam and Eve couldn't sow enough fig leaves together to cover their shame. And so we have this problem, this gap between us and God. Today, our dramatic conclusion introduces us to the hero in the God-man dilemma. But before that, we must bring to conclusion what happened there in the Garden of Eden. We see at the end of this story, from the passage that I just read to you, that at the end of the story, God brings a curse upon man because of the sin. And because of the sin, and irregardless of how much Adam and Eve tried themselves to hide themselves from God, to justify themselves before God, it didn't work. And so that is where our story in the Garden of Eden comes to an end. At this point, things have gotten so much worse. I mean, Adam and Eve, Eve took that fruit And she took a bite of it, and at that moment, sin entered humanity. And then she passed it on to her husband, I said a few weeks ago, thanks, wives, for sharing it with us. Just kidding, of course. And so she took a bite of that fruit, and Adam himself, upon his own will, took a bite of that fruit, and all of humanity changed, and sin entered the world and all of a sudden, Adam and Eve realized their current condition, which they were in in the first place. They were naked, but there was no shame. And all of a sudden, as soon as they ate, they realized it. And so they hid from God. There was shame, there was guilt, there was embarrassment because of sin. All of a sudden, mankind, humanity, had to deal with the embarrassment and the guilt and the results of sin. Things went from bad to worse because then God says to these two that there is a curse. And that there's this gap, there's a need for restoration between mankind and God. I want you to capture this. The reason that we've told the story this way, the reason that we've started all the way back in the book of Genesis, is because the book of Genesis points us to the hero. The book of Genesis from the very beginning points us to the fact that God had a plan to restore humanity from the very beginning. All along, he had a plan. As we leave Adam and Eve in Genesis 3, things look terrible, don't they? They're banished from God. They're banished from the tree of life. I'll explain that in a moment. And there's this gap between them and God. There's roughly about 2,000 years that took place between the time of the original sin and when Jesus came to die. And there's been roughly 2,000 years from the time that Jesus died until now, 2013, here on Easter Sunday morning. And the reason I tell the story this way, please don't miss this, is because the way that Adam and Eve dealt with their sin all the way back in the beginning in the Garden of Eden is the way that we still try and try and try to deal with our sin today. We cover it up. We try to undo it. We try to fix it. We try to repair it. And we try 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 in vain because we don't have enough good To help fix the God man problem. And so that's where our story is. That's where our story is. But we've got to bridge the gap. We've got to find out what God intended and how He intended to solve this problem. If you came in today, you received notes. Take a look at your notes this morning, and we'll be in Genesis 3, and then we'll be bouncing around to a couple other spots in the Bible. But we're going to walk through this very quickly this story of Adam and Eve, and really the story about you and me and God. Take a look at your notes this morning because of Adam and Eve's decision to disobey God, the penalty was separation from God. Because of Adam and Eve's decision to disobey that one rule, that one command, the result of that, the penalty for that, was separation from God. Take a look at Genesis three twenty-three and 24. The verses will be up on the screen here. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. That's The man's curse is that he would have to work the ground. He drove out the man, and at the east of the Garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. I don't know about you, but upon first pass, um, that sounds harsh, does it not? Would you agree that that sounds harsh? I mean, all they did was take fruit, right? All they did was take a bite of fruit. And God is sending them out of the Garden of Eden. He is banishing them from the tree of life. It seems a bit harsh. The Bible speaks of two trees. There are many trees in the Garden of Eden. But the Bible specifically names two trees. Here are the two trees. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That was the forbidden tree, right? That was the one that God said, I don't want you to touch. And they touched it anyway and they took from it. But there was another tree, we sometimes forget about it, that was in the Garden of Eden. It was the tree of life. And if man and woman, if Adam and Eve ate from that tree, they would live forever. So I want you to think about this for a moment. God banishing them once they sinned from the Garden of Eden, sending them out never to come back again, keeping them from the tree of life, really actually isn't harsh at all. It actually shows shows His grace and His mercy. Because if they were to have lived forever, if they would have kept eating from the tree of life, they would have lived with their sin forever. You see, God, even in his banishing them from the Garden of Eden, we see his grace and his mercy and his love for mankind. God's grace was shown all the way back at the beginning of the story. He had already told Adam and Eve that the punishment, if they had disobeyed that one rule, would be death. Grace was shown in the fact that God didn't strike them dead right there on the spot. He allowed them to live, and he allowed them to live without touching that tree of life that would have allowed them to live forever with their sin. But there was there was a price to be paid, and Adam and Eve knew that even before they took that fruit. Paul talks about this in the New Testament. He talks about it in Romans 6.23. It says this, "...for the wages of sin is death." but the free gift of god is eternal life in christ jesus our lord you see the wages of sin is death but the gift of god is eternal life we, we unfortunately have to live with the result of sin and that is separation from god but the other result is is that one day we will die and one day we will go to one of two places paul says the wages of sin is death But God gave his free gift of life eternal through Christ Jesus our Lord. We have a problem, and it's caused a barrier between us and God. And so there must be a solution. There must be a solution for humanity. There must be a solution for you and me. Take a look at point number two in your notes. Because we were created to be with God, the only way that we could be reconciled back to God was for the debt of our sin to be paid in full. Because we were created to be with God, God created us to be with him, the only way that we could be reconciled back to him because of sin was for our sin to be paid in full. Wouldn't you love it if you left here today and someone was at the door saying, hey, do you have debt? Guess what? I'm going to pay that in full. Oh, that'd be nice. That'd be the best Easter ever, wouldn't it be? That's not going to happen, I doubt, so just, uh, you know, spoil the whole story there. But wouldn't it be nice if somebody came up and took all of your debt, all the credit card debt, all of your home debt, all of your car debt, all of those student loans that some of you have been paying on for years and years and years, and stamped it and said paid in full, that would be awesome, wouldn't it? That'd be great. We understand debt, don't we? We understand debt. Here over the past few months at Hilton Head Island Community Church, there have been about 50 of you who have gone through Dave Ramsey's financial peace class. And you've paid off an enormous amount of debt. Here in a few weeks, we're going to total that and tell you how much in our church that you've paid off. We understand debt. I mean, if somebody was standing at the door and stamped our debt paid in full, Dave Ramsey would be out of a job, wouldn't he? We understand debt. My wife and I understand debt. When we first got married, we had nothing. We had nothing. And I I would imagine there are some of you in here today, and the biggest worry that you have on your mind is that you're struggling in your job and you have debt. I I understand where you are. I, I get it. I understand it. We had to put necessities of life on a credit card when we first got married. I understand debt. We, as people, understand debt. Here's what God did by sending Jesus to the cross to die for you and me. He paid our debt in full. He stamped it and said, it is paid in full. There was nothing else needed. Nothing else was needed. Jesus, when he was on the cross that Friday, we remembered his death this past Friday on Good Friday. And he said this, he said at the end of his time there while he was hanging on the cross, he said that it is finished. It is finished. John 19.30 says that. Jesus, when he received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his last. When he said those words, that was it. That was all that was needed. Nothing more needed for you to have eternal life. That's the good news of Easter, isn't it? That's the story of the God-man redemption, is that there was nothing more needed. You know what we do? We try to, we try to figure our way out of our, our sin. We try to um, fix what we have created, the mess that we created. We do this. We think, you know what, I, I, I'm a sinner. I'm messed up. You know, there's things that I've done that I'm not proud of. If I can just do more good for the rest of my life than the bad I've done in my previous life, then maybe God will be okay with me, and I can have eternal life. That's our fig leaf. That's what we try to do as humans to fix the problem. We say, I've done so much bad, so from now on, from here on out, I'm gonna be nice to my kids. I'm gonna be good to my wife. I'm gonna actually, students, be nice to my teachers. There's not enough good. There's not enough fixes. There's not enough that we can do to undo what was required to cover our sin. Back in the Old Testament, what was required to cover our sin was shed blood. Man, we have a hard time understanding that, don't we? We have a hard time understanding that shed blood was needed. A sacrifice was needed. Well, let me read the definition of sacrifice. This might help make it a little more understandable. Sacrifice is offering up something precious for a cause or a reason. You see, God and man were now separated. And something had to be done. A sacrifice had to be made. And so in the Old Testament there was a sacrifice of animals. But it's interesting because we see that all the way back in the verses that I just read. In Genesis 3.21 it says that God created for man and woman skin to clothe themselves. He made garments of skin. Well, there had to be an animal if there was a garment of skin that was killed and sacrificed for man and woman. See, at the beginning of the story, all the way back at the beginning of the story, it wasn't just the hero and Jesus. God had a plan all along, and his plan was shown even back in the Garden of Eden. We no longer have to have shed blood because Jesus did that for us. You see, God came to a point in time and He said there needed to be a perfect sacrifice, and that perfect sacrifice was His Son, Jesus. The Apostle Paul, again, in Romans, talks about this in Romans 5.11. He says this, More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. You see, God was over here without sin. We were over here with sin. And there needed to be something permanent, to take away our sin, and he offered up Jesus so that you and I could have a restored relationship with God the Father. Point number three, because God loved us so much, he sent his only son to earth in human form to pay the penalty of sin. He sent his son to hum- in human form to earth to pay the penalty of our sin. Please don't miss this. If you're in here today and you're, you're skeptical, I, I get that, I understand that. Don't miss this. He did it. Because he loves you. He did it because he wanted the relationship with humanity to be restored. He did it because he loves you. There once was a little boy, his name was Tom. Tom had a boat that was very special to him. Actually, Tom had made the boat. Well, one day, Tom carried his new boat very carefully under his arm to the edge of a river, and he carefully placed it in the river. It was a sailboat, and it had a string tied to it, and he let the wind take it out in the middle of the stream and this string he was holding on to. Well, suddenly a strong current came up, and it caught the boat, and Tom tried to pull his boat back in, but the current was so strong that the string broke and down went the sailboat downstream. Tom jumped up from where he was sitting, enjoying the sunshine. He jumped up, and he ran down the shore looking for his boat that he had made. He spent all afternoon going up and down the shore, and sadly, he finally went home because it was too dark to look any longer. Well, a few days later, on his way home, Tom spotted a boat that looked just like his in a store window. When he got closer, he could see, wait, that is my boat. That's the one I made. So he went in, and he hurried to the store manager, and he said, sir, that's my boat in your window. I made that boat. The store manager replied, sorry, son. Somebody else bought that boat this morning. If you want it, you're going to have to pay a full dollar for your boat. He went home, scraped together all of his money, and he came back to the store with one dollar, and he came up to the manager and he said, here's the money for my boat. And the manager went over the window, grabbed the boat, and handed it to Tom. As he left the store, he hugged his boat and he said, now you're twice mine. First I made you, and then I bought you. That's the picture of how much God loves each one of you. He made you. He created you. Psalm, the psalmist tells us about that in Psalm 119. But he also bought you with a price, and that price was his son because he wanted to have a relationship with you. That is radical love, to send your only son to a cross to die for the redemption of our sins. That's radical love. John 3.16 You all have probably heard it. You may even know it by heart. For God so loved the world that he sent his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And finally, point number four Jesus died, he was buried, and he came back from the dead to prove he is God and that he is the hero for humanity. He died, he was buried in a tomb. A giant stone was rolled in front of the tomb and he came back from the dead. He rose again to prove that he was God and to prove that he was the hero for humanity. God sent his son as a sacrifice. But I realize something. For some of you who are in here today who are skeptics, that's not enough for you. There were a lot of people all through history that that wasn't enough And so God allowed his son, who was all God, to rise from the dead. The tomb, when the soldiers looked in, was empty. Because Jesus had gone to God the Father. He was alive. Meaning that he could conquer death. Meaning that he could conquer death, that he wasn't just dead. He wasn't just a sacrifice. But I want you to capture this. He was a living sacrifice for you and for me, that is proof that Jesus is who he said he was. He's all God. The soldiers and the authorities were so afraid when they looked in that tomb and saw that it was empty that they made up all kinds of stories about Jesus' whereabouts. But you know, in all of history, no religious leader, no religion, no school of thought has ever conquered death Our Jesus, the one that we celebrate His resurrection today, He is alive next to the Father at the right hand of God the Father, and He's there for you and for me, proving, proving that He was God. His resurrection proves that. You know, Jesus, He didn't want to die on the night that He was betrayed, on that Thursday night of Holy Week, when He was in Jerusalem celebrating the Passover. He actually prayed, God, Father, Abba, let this cup pass from me but he knew that he was on mission and he knew that his whole purpose in living was to die to be that sacrificial lamb for you and for me please don't miss this please don't miss this Jesus was willing to die for you and for me and that leads us to our bottom line and it's a question it's several series of questions do you believe that Jesus died for you Do you believe that Jesus rose again from the dead? Do you believe that? Do you believe that through Jesus alone, you can have eternal life? Have you come to the point in your life where you would say yes to those questions? If you haven't, today is for you. I want you to consider a few things. Consider the fact that we try to be the hero that we try to save ourselves, consider the fact that all the trying in the world will not save you. Consider the fact that Jesus, God's one and only Son, willingly became the hero for you.
1: There he was, hanging in agony. His disciples scattered and terrified. Those who remained close watched in horror, helpless, listening as those who had demanded his death now mocked him. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. Come down from the cross if you are the Son of God. Even the man dying beside him challenged him Aren't you the Christ? save yourself and us. His mother and other followers heard this. There must have been a glimmer of hope that maybe he would do just that. That he would call down a thousand angels to rescue him off that cross and show everyone he was exactly who he claimed to be. But that didn't happen. Jesus died that day. what no one watching knew was that Jesus wasn't there to prove himself to his accusers. Jesus had work to do. What he was accomplishing that day far outweighed being vindicated before his killers. Jesus was not there to be saved but to be the Savior by giving his life No one who witnessed his death that day realized that Jesus did not need to be rescued because he was the hero of the story.
0: question for you today, is he the hero of your story? That's the question. Is he the hero of your story? Do you believe? I decided to believe when I was six years old. I I remember it very well. I was in a classroom. It didn't make sense for a long time. But I finally said yes to Jesus, and I made him the hero of my story. Will you do that today? Whether you're six or 60, it doesn't matter. Make the decision today. I invite you to do that, to say yes to Jesus. In a few minutes, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want to tell you what what I'm going to do. While your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I'm going to pray a prayer that I want to encourage you to pray along with me if you've never said yes to Jesus. And it's a prayer that really establishes and does in your life what I just talked about. It's a prayer that you pray to God, saying, I believe. I believe in you, Jesus. The Apostle Paul in Romans 10, 9 and 10 says this, For with the heart one believes and is justified, but with the mouth one confesses and is saved. So my question for you today is, is do you believe. You want to make Jesus the hero of your story today. After I pray that prayer, and I'm going to ask you to pray it, if you've never done that, I'm going to invite you to do that, just in the quietness of this place. I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. I promise you, I hate being embarrassed, so I'm not going to embarrass you. But I just want to be able to pray for you and identify that you said yes to Jesus. Will you close your eyes and bow your heads? If you're in here today and you want to say, Todd, something has happened in this service, something that happened over the last month or week that has led me to be able to finally say yes to Jesus. If you're ready to do that, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer just silently in your heart to God. It's a prayer that goes something like this. God, I know that my sin has separated me from you I know that I can't fix it on my own and so today I accept you Jesus as my Savior if you prayed that short little prayer with me I'm just going to ask you with every head bowed and every eye closed to raise your hand and keep it up in the air for a moment if you prayed that prayer, just raise your hand right up in the air. I see you right there. Anyone else? Over on my right, your left. Yes, I see you. Anyone else? Over here on this side, keep your hands up for just a moment. Anyone on my left, your right. I see you back in the back. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you, sir. Thank you. Anyone else? Prayed that prayer. Thank you, ma'am. I see you on my left. Anyone else here in this room? Thank you, Lord. And okay, I'm going to have you look up at me for a moment. If you prayed that prayer along with me, and if you raised your hand, or maybe you didn't raise your hand, I, this next part is so important. You, you made the decision to accept Jesus as your Savior. You have the hope of heaven. That's incredible. It's the most important decision that you could ever say yes to, ever, because it's a decision for eternal life. But I don't want you just to stop there. I want you to learn about all that that means. And so if you said yes to Jesus today, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take that note that you got when you came in, and at the bottom of that is some information. You can put your name and your phone number and your email address there. I want to personally, personally lead you through a starting point series that will help you in your new walk with God. I think that's so important for these things to be foundational. And so, please, that's so important. Please, if you raised your hand or if you prayed that prayer, don't miss letting me know about it. I'm personally going to lead this class, and I personally want to walk you through what it means to be a Christ follower. Will you do that? Will you do that? And we also have a special Bible I'll tell you about at the end that will help you in your new journey with God. Let's pray. Father God, I'm so thankful that you did not stay in the grave Oh, God, thank you for this redemptive story that you had in mind from the beginning of time. God, I thank you that you loved humanity enough that you provided a perfect sacrificial lamb in your very only son. Thank you for the gift of salvation. I pray for those who raised their hands or those who prayed that prayer and didn't raise their hands. God, I pray in the strong name of Jesus that you would help solidify their new decision. Help them to come to this class that we're going to be starting this spring called Starting Point. Help them to grow in their walk with you. God, on Easter Sunday, Resurrection Day, the day that we celebrate that you are living today, we give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.